Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Welcome to the 138th week of the Lunch Pail Guys Sports Podcast. First, a big welcome back to Aiden, who is joining us, the rest of the crew. <coughs> Lucas, Bart, Wyatt, and this is Jared speaking to you. Aiden, good to have you back. Um, let's go back. in, though, with yeah. some uh, some news we missed. Started off, as always. Um, this is my favorite one. I think this is more than like a week old, but when this was first surfaced, but... The Detroit Lions, led by Motor City Dan Campbell, have the most expensive offense in the NFL in terms of how much cap money they're carrying. Um, anybody think they're going to lead the league in points per game? Yes. I do. I, All booked right. a, I booked a bold Lions take last year. I'll book one again. <laughs> How'd the last one go? Um, you can listen to the last episode and find out. I'm not going to admit to anything live on that right now. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> we have receipts if we yeah. get it, though. Yeah. Maybe not the most exciting offensive story, though, in the NFL this past week. We had our, the whole Zach Wilson drama, too. <laughs> what was that? What's this drama? I have not seen this. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm excited to have you see this for, hear this for the first it's time. It's a family show. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. This is um, not BYU-approved content. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Zach Wilson broke up with his girlfriend and some, and then started dating his best friend. And then she posted a picture of the best friend, and there was some comment war. And eventually she said that um, Zach Wilson was was involved with Zach his mom's Wilson's best ex <laughs> accuses him of sleeping with his mom's best friend. Whoa. Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> the story. This, like, dominated my Twitter feed for, like, two days. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That seems like something that would dominate a Twitter feed, actually. So. Yeah. Uh, in more family-friendly news, Richard Jefferson <laughs> refereed his first NBA game. <laughs> There's good that. For him. Good for him. I didn't know that was a dream of his, but yeah, good for him. <laughs> exactly. yeah, he, he didn't actually want to be an NBA player. He was just like, I guess they, they were down one, good, and he was calling yeah, the game. He, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a uh, testament to how the NBA only hires their own, and nobody else can enter the exclusive club. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big basketball just excluded. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, also in the NBA Summer League, one of the many are what many are calling the best Summer League game of all time, uh, including Bart. The Kings scored six points in seven seconds to force overtime. Uh, did the Kings win that game? Anybody? Uh, they lost think? by double digits, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That no, actually makes I it even better. I don't know if that's better. true, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I remember seeing that Paolo took over. I think the Magic mm-hmm. one. But I think that is him. Don't, don't quote me on that. Okay. I, I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. Having um, personally watched the best Summer League game of all time. I was about to say, shows you our Summer League knowledge. But <laughs> yeah. Encyclopedic. I, I've barely watched. <laughs> it's all right. We'll leave, that, we'll leave that one on a cliffhanger. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Patriots uh, as well traded Nikhil Harry to the Bears for a seventh rounder. Seventh huge, rounder, I'm told. He's a 2024 seventh rounder. Oh my god, what's up with <laughs> trading these 2024 picks? 
Interesting. Who needs them? They're not high on 2020. Week seventh yeah. rounder uh, class, so. <laughs> yeah, Why exactly. Would you? Everybody knows it. Yeah, everyone knows We it. won't get to that year, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's go into our first main segment. We are going to talk a little bit of basketball. Um, Dame is getting more dollars because Damian Lillard signed a two-year, $122 million extension to stay with the Blazers, keeps him with the team through the 2026 to 27 season. Um, earlier in free agency as well, Bradley Beal signed a five-year, $251 million extension with a no-trade clause, the first in the league, uh, with the Wizards. Aiden, you had some interesting takes in our pre-show, pre-show notes, so I wanted to, to go to you first. What's your takeaway from this? Yeah, I'm going to focus less on Bradley Beal here because, to be honest, I just care about him less. <laughs> Sorry, Bradley, if you're listening, <laughs> despite our many yeah. conversations, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, don't really care. Close friend of the show. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. But really, though, like Dame has shown that he can carry a team to some degree. Um, we haven't seen that from Bradley Beal, and so I just feel less invested in his career. Uh, on the topic of Dame, I'm glad he got his money. I'm glad he continues to get his money to a degree. You really have to hand it to Dame for his loyalty. Stayed loyal to the team that drafted him. Steph and Clay, I believe, are the only active players who have been with their team. Uh, the team that drafted them for longer uh, than Dame. And this is like definitely a pattern with Dame. He went to Weber State, even though other schools, other larger schools showed interest. He went to Weber State because they believed in him first. They recruited him first. This seems to be like an actual principle that Dame is on. Um, obviously, in some way, it's also him getting his money, and he can still force his way out later. But I, I really just feel like his commitment to the Blazers is not... It's uncommon, and I think a good relationship is predicated on both parties being committed and putting in effort, and I think this is a one-way relationship. I don't think the Blazers have met Dame halfway. Like, what's the biggest splash the Blazers have made during Dame's tenure? They drafted CJ. Like, that's that's good. They've had some okay draft picks. Anthony <coughs> Simons is good. But, like, besides that, they went out and got Nurkic, I guess. Their big get this offseason was Jeremy Grant, who... You know, put up relatively big numbers by virtue of being on the Pistons the last two years. So, like, I, I don't believe that he's going to make the Blazers, who are the sixth worst record in the league last year, a contender, albeit if even if Dame is healthy. So, the Blazers on their end, I feel like kept Dame because he's the face of the franchise. The fan base would revolt if he left. But this is just not a team in win now mode. Like, you draft Shaden Sharp when you're playing on a rebuild, I feel like. And, and Dame's prime is probably in the past. But it does not make sense for him to be on a rebuilding team. They're not going to go out and get KD, no matter how many photoshopped Instagram pictures you know, <laughs> Dame posts otherwise. So I feel like Dame is owed the chance to play for a team that can contend. A team with a front office that's all in. And so I did lose respect for him staying here to some degree. Which feels to some also wrong because we diss the Hardens on the Durants, but I really feel like if Dame tried to force his way out, I would not be mad at Dame. I feel like he's deserved that to some degree, and I want to see him like in the playoffs, in the late rounds of the playoffs, because I think that would be fun. So, yeah, I, I to some degree I respect Dame for his loyalty, but I also feel like he's he's worth more than this, and so um, I'm I'm a bit disappointed to be honest. Aiden, you're right. And I think it's very rare for a player to be able to be, one, drafted by the same team, by a team and stay with them for a long time, and also win multiple championships with that team. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, Tim Duncan, probably the most notable names that we can list 
of players who were able to be to win multiple championships with the team they were drafted by. All of which these players have had top flight head, top flight head coaches. Dame has never had one. A top flight general manager. Dame has never really had one. Making the calls for them. Everyone likes to to crap on Jerry Krause from his last dance uh, interviews and all that, but he was obviously a fantastic GM. He was a Hall of Fame GM. <clears throat> and all of these teams had also acquired stars from other teams. So a lot of these players can get incredibly lucky, but you can't just have homegrown championships. Uh, I mean, Tim Duncan and the Spurs are different. Steph Curry, they, they did it once. But they also won two with Kevin Durant, and then they won one with Andrew Wiggins just now recently. So as far as like the way that these players are, are building these championship teams, they have to get a home a star from somebody else. So I don't know if it's necessarily like wrong to, uh, to, to get on other players for coming from that team. And in the case of Dame, it's not cowardice necessarily to stay with the Blazers, but it isn't this moral high road that I think it's being framed as and definitely that he talks about how he doesn't run from the grind. In Dame's entire career, there has never been a point where this team has been talented enough to actually be a title contender, and he has never had the expectation of competing for a title seriously. Between now and between twenty and 2027, if he were to stay with Portland the whole time, they will not be viewed as a title contender. Nobody will have any expectations for them. And if Dame does happen to win in Portland miracul- miraculously, then we're all going to stand up and give him a huge round of applause, and he'll get bonus points for him. But when Portland doesn't win in the next couple of years, nobody's going to knock Dame for it because he just doesn't have the team around him. So I don't think it's necessarily like, wow, look at this guy. Because it's just, I think that you just, you, there's no expectation to win. And that's kind of pretty, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. I think just like even expanding the conversation out beyond Dame specifically, like I don't really have a problem with guys, you know, what is I think pejoratively called ring chasing. Like I think. Um, like just like so much of like individual success is out of somebody's control. Like I, I think like Embiid and his career so far has been like a pretty good example of that. And I want to make it clear that I don't want Embiid to leave in ring chase. I would really truly want anything other than that to happen. But like there's been some discourse on Twitter. We talked about it a little bit in our group chat this week about like, oh, is like Tatum better than Embiid? When that's based purely essentially on team success. When I think anybody who would objectively look at the players um, like in their production and everything would say Embiid is the better player than Tatum. But there's still like enough of a conversation about the difference between the two purely because of things that are totally out of con- their control. And like, I don't blame guys who want to leave so that they can, you know, put things more in their control. And like Embiid's story is not unique unless you're like 2007 LeBron or maybe 2022 Luka. Like you can't really just like put a team on your back and like drag them to success. And especially when, like, so much of the legacy in basketball is based off how many rings you win. So, like, if you're put in a situation like Dame where it's, like, yeah, they're just, like, it's not a two-way relationship, like I mentioned. It's, like, the Blazers just haven't invested in, like, building talent around him. Then, like, I don't blame somebody who wants to go on ring chase because, like, your legacy is going to be defined by how many rings you win and you can't really control how many rings you win. So, like, I know, like, people like Harden and Durant and all that get, like, a lot of shtick in the media but I don't mind it, like especially like you got to maximize your chances for a title, and that's the best way to do it. And that there are levels to it as well. Yeah. If Dame had left, you know, eight years ago or something like that, I think people would have looked at him a little sideways. But mm. you know, after the last couple of years, especially trading CJ, not really getting much out of it. If he decided that he was out, then I don't think anybody would have blamed him for it. 
Same thing that nobody really knocks LeBron James. Like, I know that maybe Skip Bayless might throw some wild take out there about how Michael Jordan never left. But Michael Jordan also didn't have to leave. And Kobe didn't have to leave either. So most most players don't have to go anywhere. Not most players. Some very few players don't have to go anywhere. And I don't think anybody knocks LeBron James for it, uh, for Kawhi for doing it, really. I mean, and if, if he joined the Warriors... Or the Bucks, maybe it'd be different, but even then, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if people look at Dame that way, either. They were also yeah, in, with... like Kobe oh, and Michael were also in. I know I like to use this term a lot, but they were in like big markets that like any like free agents want to go play. Not only for the Lakers, but like live in LA and stuff like that. I don't know if Chicago necessarily has that same um, appeal as a location, but it's like a big market. You're not gonna get. It's, you're gonna have a hard time convincing somebody to go to Cleveland, to go play with LeBron. You know what I mean? He kind of made it work after he already had that clout from winning those titles, but it's a lot harder. I think a lot harder sell to say, "Hey, come come to Portland and play with Dame Lillard, who you know hasn't made it to a finals yet, and like you don't know if you're actually gonna get a ring out of that, right? And you're gonna live in rainy Portland. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of a tougher. I think that mm-hmm. is like a tougher sell than come play for the Lakers or even like the Celtics just like come play for this historic franchise. I don't know. Yeah. And even with like Kobe, Kobe requested a trade at some point. And like, I don't blame him. Right. Like, at one point the Lakers organization was failing him. And so he wanted to maximize his chances to win a title. And by him requesting the trade, he got the Lakers to like get themselves in gear a little bit. And so like, yeah, I don't blame him in that situation at all. And he stuck around and it worked out, but it probably wouldn't have worked out in that same way. Had he not like requested the trade and like, you know, sort of force the Lakers to get themselves in gear. Agreed. I do feel like there's a line, though, at some point that I feel like Harden <clears throat> has crossed or, or certain players have crossed where you just, you don't trust the player to be on the team for more than a year if things don't work out. Like, there's no level of, they go there expecting immediate success and then just hop away elsewhere or try to get out if it doesn't work right away. Yeah. So, like, there's there definitely is a line but Dame is far from said line. And I feel like LeBron isn't close to that line or anything like that. But. I think the Harden hate is sometimes a little over overstated. And I'm not just saying that because he's on the Sixers now, but, like, he was <laughs> traded away from OKC, like, not mm-hmm. by his choice. He didn't, like, force his way out of OKC. Mm-hmm. And then he was in Houston for, what, eight or nine years mm-hmm. where he put together contenders. And then when it was clear that they needed to rebuild... They traded him away to the Nets. And then the Nets has been the only really situation where he's, like, really forced his way out, I think, in, like, a negative way, you know? And so, I don't know. It's frustrating to watch, but, yeah. Houston, uh, he, definitely I feel like, he definitely forced his way out in Houston, too. I, it, yeah, it's the way that he left. They were it's the way that he yeah. left. He quit on the team. He got yeah. fat or whatever, put on a fat suit, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, he's on a new team. And the thing about LeBron James and the difference between him and right now Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I know Kyrie left Boston to Brooklyn as a free agent, but LeBron James has always played out the entirety of his contract, and I think that's the line, is that whenever LeBron James had moved teams, he had moved after free agency or during a free agency period at the end of his contract, whereas James Harden has now been traded in contract twice because of his own doing. I think that's the line. Yeah, it's like if you sign a contract with James Harden at this point, you're not going to trust that he's going to be there. Which I mean, maybe you're you're okay with that. I feel like the Sixers are probably okay with that, but it's I don't know. Not not when he signs that supermax. No, <laughs> no he signed he signed a contract. He this week. Yeah, it's yeah. one plus one. 
So he gets one year guaranteed, and then he can opt in for the second year, and it's only like thirty-two million a year. You, sh- you should have read the fine print. There's an extra four years on that contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna go from talking about NBA, um, I guess, non moves to some moves that have happened in the NFL. The claws are out in Carolina as the Panthers acquired Baker Mayfield in exchange for a conditional fourth or fifth round pick in Magic 2024. Uh, I thought this was funny. NFL Network's Peter Schrager reported that the starting job is up for the starting job is up for grabs, and Sam Darnold is still very, in all caps, highly considered in the Panthers building. <clears throat> Why? What's your take on how the Browns have handled their whole situation and now this new QB situation with the Panthers? I'll start with the Panthers. I have a little less to say there. This is the first time in a long time that two top picks have been in the, from the same draft class have been on the same team. I don't remember when, but it was the early 1900s. The Browns are eating $10 million of Baker's salary. The Panthers are taking $4 million of that salary since Baker also agreed to a pay cut as well. So it's, it's almost a no-brainer to do that. But even if it's a no-brainer, a low-risk deal costs them nothing to do it. You do not trade for Baker Mayfield for the possibility of Sam Darnold still being your quarterback after four years of the worst quarterback play we've ever seen in our entire <laughs> life. If Matt Rule's seat is not hot, it would be set on fire the second he said, I think we're going to run with Sam Darnold going forward. Baker is too big of a persona to play the backup role. The Panthers know it. Everybody in the stadium knows it. I know people like Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, he's a nice guy. As Colin Coward would say, he's a trucky uh, chunky coastal kid you know (laughs) blue collar ethos whatever he wants to say it's all a bunch of bs sam darnold there is no way you could pitch that to anybody probably even sam darnold that he's still the starting quarterback (laughs) after trading for baker mayfield be unreal as far as the browns are concerned baker there was like this idea and this is like an idea that's floating around with jimmy Garoppolo that he might come back and he might be able to play for them if Deshaun Watson gets suspended, and and Jimmy Garoppolo might play if Trey Lance isn't ready or whatever. Two very different people. Baker Mayfield was never going to be the Browns' savior. He extended an olive branch saying that the relationship can begin to be repaired if the Browns were to reach out to them. Clearly, it didn't happen. And I really just have nothing but disgust and discomfort with the way that the, the Browns have handled this situation. They're allowed to seek more out of a quarterback. Uh, I understand that Baker is very prickly. I can agree with that. I can agree that he's been a little cocky. I can agree that he did not have a stellar season last year, and he doesn't receive any bonus points from me for uh, playing hurt. But the frustrating part about the situation is the commentary from the Browns, coupled with uh, the hypocrisy of their actions, saying that they wanted an adult in the room at the quarterback position and they reported many maturity problems with Baker's end and, and fractured relationships. So they traded three first-round picks. They guaranteed $230 million to a serial sex offender who had 22 outstanding allegations against him. And as soon as he wasn't criminally charged, the Browns and a handful of idiots on the internet were like, he's free! He, he's an innocent man! Like he, We can do whatever he wants to, and he was ready to go right away. And they didn't even do a proper investigation to the point where they, did, they talked to zero of the women involved in the situation. After the deal was signed, two more women joined the lawsuit. There was a horrific Sports Illustrated article that came out, and we found out he had gone to 66 different massage therapists over the course of 17 months, 
most of them, even if they weren't involved in the lawsuit, had a very similar story to tell. I mean, like, this is not like a typical he said, she said. There are 66 women. This is clearly a red flag. And the Browns were too stupid and too desperate to even look at it. I, I They made their bed, and I really hope the NFL makes them lie in it. It's just a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone from like liking a team and rooting for them to do well to just absolutely hating and being disgusted by them as I have been by the Browns. Like it's just been like such a dramatic one eighty to them being like, Oh, like they're the scrappy underdogs who like you know have finally like, turned into something to just being like selling their soul for some chance of success. And like I, I know Baker wasn't like great last year, but like he had a pretty good twenty twenty and it's like they took one down year from him and are like, you know what? We're going to sell our soul at this point. And it's just, like, ridiculous to watch. So, I don't know. But also speaking on the Panthers, like, I think it's, like, I, I'm rooting for Baker to succeed there. Like, I think, I hope it goes well. And I think, yeah, we'll see. But he needs to be the starter over Darnold. But, yeah, I just, like, my takeaway from this whole situation is just, like, the Browns are just, like, a F of an organization. Like, you know, just, like, if we're, if we're grading them. So, yeah. yeah. Agreed. And then, and uh, I think like a lot of people are saying it's it, like they might not even get Deshaun Watson f- to play for them for at least a year. Some sometimes they've said like an indefinite suspension suspension as well. Um, so hopefully it, it does come back and bite them in the butt, uh, as Wyatt was saying too. Yeah. Um, I think Baker Mayfield too on him. His fall from grace, I agree with Lucas, was way too quick. And a lot of the, like, his persona and, like, cockiness, like, obviously I'm not in the locker room, but I feel like that's all carried over from college, and I haven't seen as much evidence of that in the NFL. For me, I I feel like a lot of that just came from, like, him in college, and, like, he definitely was cocky in college and, like, did some some stuff, but um, a lot of it is just because he played injured last year, and I know, like, you're not going to give him credit. I feel like you are going to give him credit if he did well. If he played injured and credit and did well, people are like, wow, what, what a gritty season. Yeah. But then if you play injured and you play badly, then they're going to hold it against you. Right. I think we didn't see, like, the real Baker Mayfield last year, and I don't think he needs to, like, rehab his image any more than somebody like Ryan Tannehill had to when he went from the Dolphins to the Titans or, like, Kirk Cousins going from Washington to, like, the Vikings, for example. You know, some, sometimes you just need to change the scenery. And, and like, you know, we, we like to crap on Kirk Cousins, but he's a solid quarterback. Ryan Tannehill also is a solid quarterback. They can make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Panthers can make the playoffs, I think. Yeah. No, I really think this is a huge pickup or a huge win for the Panthers because they're not that bad. I mean, they were, what, 5-11 and 11 last year, 5-12 and 12 or something. Um, but they have talent on their team, and a lot of that was due to their QB play. A lot of their 5-12 mm-hmm. and 12 record was due to Darnold and, and co. Um, so if McCaffrey's healthy... They have a much improved offensive line. They'll be interesting to watch. In, and their division's <clears throat> vaguely up for grabs. Vaguely, yeah. But I mean, Baker's the second best quarterback in the division right now, probably. If you look, yeah. if you go across the landscape, there's he he's number two, and then obviously a huge gap between that and one. But once once Tom Brady retires in the next two years or so, or never, um, eventually <laughs> Baker will might possibly be the best in that division. And a lot of people on TV will talk about the Panthers like they are awful. They have a really good defense. They have drafted a lot of really good guys defensively. Uh, they have a fantastic secondary. Jeremy Chin, uh, CJ Henderson, 
J.C. Horn's going to come back from injury. They got a, a really good D-line. Everyone always likes to mention Robbie Anderson as the only wide receiver, but DJ Moore is by far a far better wide receiver. Their roster is actually pretty decent, and I think that Baker Mayfield is going to do really well out there. Jared, a couple things that you said, though. I think Baker was not he, – he dropped the antics from college. He wasn't grabbing his crotch. He wasn't planting flags. He wasn't running to the other sideline to, to tell him something. He wasn't handing balls to people or whatever. But he's still just as prickly to like the media and his outward personality when he talks. It was it was very uh, aloof and and kind of like don't talk to me type of behavior. So I think that 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 still exists as well. And he does not get any bonus points. If he did well, he would have. But I always tell people when I was when I coach, it's like. If you're too hurt to play at 100% or too hurt to to the point where you're now hurting the team, don't play. And that's I think that if he didn't play, um, you know, he would have gotten a little bit more grace. Yeah. Um I I agree he's he can be prickly with the media. I don't see that as like Aaron Rodgers type aloofness though. I see it as more like all right, keep having I mean, fuels of the fire like more more like of a a solid underdog narrative than other people could construe it as i think well he's always i don't have a problem with it like the, the, the media is freaking talking at you all the time like you can give some of it back every once in a while yeah. i'm fine with it <laughs> yeah i don't care either but i'm just saying <laughs> it exists it's out there it, it's a possibility it's oh there. yeah it's out there yeah. but i think it's overblown yeah i feel like i'm less optimistic than you are wyatt about baker's success on the panthers i'll say that um I, there's there's more to it than his play on the field. I feel like there's I was reading some things about his personality and how he gets along with coaches and teammates that doesn't seem like it'll just get fixed now that he's been traded. So I think that's a little bit of a concern. Like what Jared was saying, like he's not cocky per se, but it seems like he's maybe a little bit I don't know, just hard prickly. to get along with and, he's and uh, not not as quick of a study as you'd like an NFL quarterback to be, maybe. Mm. So that's that's all I'll <laughs> say on that. But I I also agree if he doesn't start over Darnold. It'll be tremendous in all the wrong ways, and I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm just not <laughs> really quite though. That like, high. who does Sam Darnold know in the media? I guess Peter Schrager, whoever is quoted here, but like him and putting out these things. That, of him like, and Colin Coward. The, the it's like things highly. Exactly. He is funneling <laughs> them money <laughs> to say that years. that they could possibly. I, like, uh, we we joked about Carson Wentz, like. There's one thing that's the, the death taxes and Carson wants to be traded for a first round pick. It's the fact that Carson. It's the fact. It's death taxes in that Sam Darnold might still be a starting quarterback in the NFL. There. Yeah. How, how does this narrative keep existing? It, it is my job now to make sure it doesn't exist anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Bart, you want to take us home? Oh, oh! Is that where you were getting at when you asked me? I was, yeah. <laughs> that, but that was original. But you yeah, do have to take, you know. So we're gonna on, carry no. it on. <laughs> we got two extra minutes out of this show. That, I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's improv. Well, anyways, yes, and. hopefully you weren't tired of those two extra minutes, and you're not hoping for this episode to be over. As always, uh, give us five star reviews on Spotify <laughs> and Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us on social media. That's TikTok. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Lunchpailguys underscore. You know the drill at this point, I'm assuming. Thank you again for listening, and we will catch you back in our next episode this week. <laughs>